Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 145. Today we're going to see more about the life of Elisha, who's taken over from Elijah. And we'll see a whole big number of miracles that Elisha performs on behalf of God to show the wonder of who God is. But we also see, as we'll compare, in a sense, the life of Elisha and his ministry to the life of Jesus as he begins his ministry in Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of what we often call the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus presents a new way of living. He often says, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And so our episode today, in a sense, brings together what I might call the miraculous and the new way of living. And so let's see what we have to see as we read from these passages today. 2 Kings chapter 4. Now a wife of one of the prophets appealed to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant was a loyal follower of the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take away my two boys to be his servants. Elisha said to her, What can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house except a small jar of olive oil. He said, Go and ask all your neighbors for every empty container. Get as many as you can. Go and close the door behind you and your sons. Pour the olive oil into all the containers. Set aside each one once you have filled it. So she left him and closed the door behind her and her sons. And they were bringing the containers to her. She was pouring the olive oil. When the containers were full, she said to one of her sons, Bring me another container. But he answered her, There are no more. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. She went and told the prophet. He said, Go sell the olive oil, repay your creditor, and then you and your sons can live off the rest of the prophet. One day, Elisha traveled to Shunem, where a prominent woman lived. She insisted that he stop for a meal, so whenever he was passing through, he would stop in there for a meal. She said, he, uh, she said to her husband, Look, I'm sure that the man who regularly passes through here is a very special prophet. Let's make a small private upper room and furnish it with a bed, table, chair, and lamp. When he visits us, he can stay there. One day, Elisha came for a visit. He went into the upper room and rested. He told his servant Gehazi, Ask the Shunammite woman to come here. So he did so, and she came to him. Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her, Look, you have treated us with such great respect. What can I do for you? Can I put a good word in with you with with the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I am quite secure. So he asked Gehazi, What can I do for her? Gehazi replied, She has no son, and her husband is old. Elisha told him, Ask her to come here. So he did so, and she came and stood at the doorway. He said, About this time next year you will be holding a son. She said, No, my master, O prophet, do not lie to your servant. The woman did conceive, and at the specified time the next year she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The boy grew, and one day he went out to see his father, who was with the harvest workers. He said to his father, My head, my head. His father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. 
So he picked him up and took him to his mother. He sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him, on, laid him down on the prophet's bed. She shut the door behind her and left. She called to her husband, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can go and see the prophet quickly and then return. He said, Why do you want to see him today? It is not the new moon or the Sabbath. She said, Everything's fine. She saddled the donkey and told her servant, Lead on, do not stop unless I say so. So she went to visit the prophet at Mount Carmel. When he saw her at a distance, he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, it's the Shunammite woman. Now run to meet her and ask her, Are you well? Are your husband and the boy well? She told Gehazi, Everything's fine. But when she, approached the pro- when she reached the prophet on the mountain, she grabbed hold of his feet. Gehazi came near to push her away, but the prophet said, Leave her alone, for she is very upset. The Lord has kept the matter hidden from me. He didn't tell me about it. She said, Did I ask my master for a son? Didn't I say, Don't mislead me? Elisha told Gehazi, Tuck your robes into your belt, take my staff, and go. Don't stop to exchange greetings with anyone. Place my staff on the child's face. The mother of the child said, As certainly as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So Elisha got up and followed her back. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them. He placed the staff on the child's face, but there was no sound or response. When he came back to Elisha, he told him the child did not wake up. When Elisha arrived at the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in by himself and closed the door. Then he prayed to the Lord. He got up on the bed and spread his body out over the boy. He put his mouth on the boy's mouth, his eyes over the boy's eyes, and the palms of his hands against the the boy's palms. As he bent down across him, the boy's skin grew warm. Elisha went back and walked around in the house. Then he got up on the bed again and bent down over him. The child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha called to Gehazi and said, Get the Shunammite woman. So he did so, and she came, and he said to her, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed down. Then she picked up her son and left. Now Elisha went back to Gilgal while there was a famine in the land. Some of the prophets were visiting him, and he told his servant, Put a big pot on the fire and boil some stew for the prophets. Someone went out to the field to gather some herbs and found a wild vine. He picked some of its fruit, enough to fill up the the fold of his robe. He came back, cut it up, and threw the slices into the stew pot, not knowing they were harmful. The stew was poured out for the men to eat. When they ate some of the stew, they cried out, Death is in the pot, O prophet. They could not eat it. He said, Get some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and said, Now pour some out for the men so they may eat. There was no longer anything harmful in the pot. Now a man from Baal Shalashah brought some food for the prophet. Twenty loaves of bread made from the first fruits of the barley harvest, as well as fresh ears of grain. Elisha said, Set it before the people so they may eat it. But his attendant said, How can I feed a hundred men with this? He replied, Set it before the people so they may eat it, for this is what the Lord has said. They will eat and have some left over. So he set it before them. They ate and had some left over, just as the Lord's, just as in the Lord's message. Now Naaman, the commander of the king of Syria's army, was esteemed and respected by his master, for through him the Lord had given Syria military victories. But this great warrior had a skin disease. Raiding parties went out from Syria and took captive from the land of Israel a young girl who became a servant to Naaman's wife. She told her mistress, 
If only my master were in the presence of the prophet who is in Samaria, then he would cure him of his skin diseases. Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. The king of Syria said, Go, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten suits of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel. It read, This is the letter of introduction for my servant Naaman, whom I have sent to be cured of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? Can I kill or restore life? Why does he ask me to cure a man of his skin disease? Certainly you must see that he is looking for an excuse to fight me. When Elisha the prophet heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent this message to the king. Why did you tear your clothes? Send him to me so he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood in the doorway of Elisha's house. Elisha sent out a messenger who told him, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan. Your skin will be restored and you will be healed. Naaman went away angry. He said, Look, I thought for sure he would come out, stand there, invoke the name of the Lord as God, wave his hand over the area, and cure the skin disease. The rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Pafar, are better, Farpar, are better than the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be healed? So he turned around and went away angry. His servants approached him and said, O master, if the prophet had told you to do some difficult task, you would have been willing to do it. It seems you should be happy that he has simply said, Wash, and you'll be clean. So Naaman went down and dipped in the Jordan seven times as the prophet had instructed. His skin became as smooth as a young child's, and he was healed. He and his entire entourage returned to the prophet. Naaman came and stood before him. He said, For sure I know that there is a no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, as certainly as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will take nothing from you. Naaman insisted that he take it, but he refused. Naaman said, If not, then please give your servant a load of dirt, enough for a pair of mules to carry, for your servant will never again offer a burnt offering or sacrifice to, to God other than the Lord. May the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to worship, and he leans on my arm, and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. May the Lord forgive your servant for this. Elisha said to him, Go in peace. When he had gone a short distance, Gehazi, the prophet, Eli- the prophet Elisha's servant, thought, Look, my master did not accept what the Syrian Naaman offered him. As certainly as the Lord lives, I will run after him and accept something from him. So Gehazi ran after Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and asked, Is everything all right? He answered, Everything is fine. My master sent me with this message. Look, two servants of the prophets just arrived from the Ephraimite hill country. Please give them a talent of silver and two suits of clothes. Naaman said, Please accept two two talents of silver. He insisted and tied up two talents of silver in two bags along with two suits of clothes. He gave them to two of his servants, and he carried them for Gehazi. When he arrived at the hill, Gehazi took them from the servants and put them in the house. Then he sent the men on their way. When he came and stood before his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He answered, Your servant hasn't been anywhere. Elisha replied, I was there in the spirit when a man turned and got down from his chariot to meet you. 
This is not the proper time to accept silver or accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, cattle, and male and female servants. Therefore, Naaman's skin disease will afflict you and your descendants forever. When Gehazi went out from his presence, his skin was as white as snow. Some of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too cramped for us. Let's go to the Jordan. Each of us will get a log from there, and we will build a meeting place for ourselves there. He said, Go. One of them said, Please come along with your servants. He replied, All right, I'll come. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they started cutting down trees. As one of them was felling a tree, the axe head dropped into the water, and he shouted, Oh no, my master, it was borrowed. The prophet asked, Where did it drop in? Then he showed him the spot. Elisha cut off a branch, threw it in at that spot, and made the axe head float. He said, Lift it out. So he reached out his hand and grabbed it. Now the king of Syria was at war with Israel, and he consulted his advisors, who said, Invade at such and such a place. But the prophet, Elisha, sent this message to the king of Israel. Make sure you don't pass through this place because Syria is invading there. So the king of Israel sent a message to the place the prophet had pointed out, warning it to be on its guard. This happened on several occasions. And this made the king of Syria upset. So he summoned his advisors and said to them, One of us must be helping the king of Israel. One of the advisors said, No, my master, O king. The prophet Elisha, who lives in Israel, keeps telling the king of Israel the things you say in your bedroom. The king ordered, Go, find out where he is, so I can send some men to capture him. The king was told, He is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots there, along with a good-sized army. They arrived during the night and surrounded the city. The prophet's attendant got up early in the morning. When he went outside, there was an army surrounding the city, along with horses and chariots. He said to Elisha, Oh no, my master, what will we do? Elisha replied, Don't be afraid, for our side outnumbers them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he can see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw that the hill was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the army approached him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike these people with blindness. The Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha requested. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the right road or city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. When they had entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open their eyes so they can see. The Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Should I strike them down, my master? He replied, Do not strike them down. You did not capture them with your sword or bow. So what gives you the right to strike them down? Give them some food and water so they can eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he threw them a big banquet for them, and they ate and they drank. Then he sent them back to their master. And after that, no Syrian raiding parties invaded again invaded the land of Israel. Later, King Ben-Hadad of Syria assembled his entire army and attacked and besieged Samaria. Samaria's food supply ran out. They laid siege to it so long that a donkey's head was selling for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cob of dove's droppings for five shekels of silver. While the king of Israel was passing by on the city wall, a woman shouted to him, Help us, my master, O king. He replied, No, let the Lord help you. How can I help you? 
The threshing floor and winepress are empty. And the king asked her, What is your problem? She answered, This woman said to me, Hand over your son. We'll eat him today and then eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. Then I said to her the next day, Hand over your son and we'll eat him. But she had hid her son. When the king heard what the woman said, he tore his clothes. As he was passing by on the wall, the people could see he was wearing sackcloth under his clothes. Then he said, May God judge me severely if Elisha, son of Shaphat, still has his head by the end of that day. Now Elisha was sitting in his house with the community leaders. The king sent a messenger on ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the leaders, Do you realize this assassin intends to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger arrives, shut the door and lean against it. His master will certainly be right behind him. He was still talking to them when the messenger approached and said, Look, the Lord is responsible for this disaster. Why should I continue to wait for the Lord to help? And we're going to leave it right there to see what Elisha's answer is from God. But through these passages, uh, a number again of, of very interesting stories, but we see all kinds of miracles that God is doing through Elisha. And not just miracles of food and of bringing people back to life, but also the miracle of turning enemies into people who no longer attack by showing them mercy and by bringing them to Samaria, the capital city, but then feeding them instead of capturing them or even killing them. And that really, in one sense, uh, is a bit of a segue to what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. We'll see and hear him say something similar to what Elisha said to the king of Israel. And so let's see and hear about the Sermon on the Mount, as it's often called, that begins in Matthew chapter 5, uh, a sermon by Jesus describing how he ought, we ought to live in relationship to God. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish these things, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter will pass from the law until everything takes place. So anyone who breaks one of these least, the least of these commands and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys them and teaches others to do so will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the experts in the law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to you in an older generation, Do not murder, 
and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with a brother will be subject to judgment, and whoever insults a brother will be brought before the council, and whoever says fool will be sent to fiery hell. So then, if you're if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your gift. Reach agreement quickly with your accuser while on the way to court, or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge hand you over to the warden and you will be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. You've heard it, it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into hell. It was said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a legal document. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said to an older generation, do not break an oath, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, do not take oaths at all, not by heaven, because it is the throne of God, nor by earth, because it is his footstool, and not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, because you are not able to make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. More than this comes from the evil one. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the evildoer. But whoever strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other to him as well. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your coat also. And if anyone forced you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and do not reject the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be like your Father in heaven. Since he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors do the same, don't they? And if you only greet your brothers, what more do you do? Even the Gentiles do the same, don't they? So then, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we'll leave it here. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount continues on for another couple chapters. But here we see Jesus saying many times, You've heard it said, but I say to you. And in doing so, he's presenting us what a new way of living looks like in light of God's mercy and love, in light of who God is and what he is like. And this is a miraculous new way of living, a new way of living that I believe is only possible when we see Jesus living it for us and also then forgiving us for our failure to live it. But this is God's standard. This is what he says he wants people to do in a way that shines as a light for the world to see what a truly miraculous life is meant to be. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.